Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 57 of Did You Bring the Hummus podcast. I'm Kimberly, your host, and I'm super excited to be here with you today. Did You Bring the Hummus is a podcast to help you go vegan. This season, I'm sharing new episodes every Monday discussing all things vegan. Most importantly, we'll talk about how to embrace this meaningful decision with fervor and fun. Episodes post every Monday on your favorite podcast app. Before we get started, I have one very important question for you. Did you bring the hummus? Today, I am joined by Crystal Bonnet of Crystal Dawn Culinary. Crystal is a raw food chef, instructor, and cookbook author. As a plant-based and raw food nutrition program graduate at Matthew Kenny Culinary Academy and Pure Joy Academy, she's learned the importance of the culinary aspect and nutritional elements of living foods. She shares this information with her students at Crystal Dawn Culinary so that they will have as much knowledge as necessary to understand raw foods and their health benefits. Crystal's work within the plant-based culinary industry led her on many adventures, including the development of plant-based menus for new restaurants. She designed and catered multiple health retreats in Canada and Europe before launching her raw chocolate and dessert business. Through her easy-to-follow and comprehensive classes, she shares the knowledge and skills home cooks need to incorporate healthy food alternatives into their lifestyles. While editing this episode, I took two full pages of notes. You are going to learn a lot. Crystal keeps it fun and interesting, sharing her vegan journey, inspiration to include more raw foods, or maybe it will fully become your thing, tips on how to prepare yourself for success, tons of resources, all of which are linked in the show notes, and to top it off, a kimchi hummus recipe. If you're able to take notes while listening, you might just want to break out that notebook now. If not, I know this episode is one you'll return to again and again for tips and inspiration. Hey, Crystal, thanks for joining me. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Kimberly. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Me too. So the way we always kick it off here at Did You Bring the Hummus is we talk about your vegan journey. So tell me about it. Yeah, so I won't drag it on too long, but um, (laughs) my vegan journey has been very progressive throughout my whole life. You know, some people wake up and they go cold turkey overnight and just go from a standard American diet to vegan all of a sudden. So my experience was not like that. It was very slow. I started eliminating certain things throughout my life since I was five years old. Mm-hmm. So because when I was really young, I made that connection between meat and animals, you know, and had realized yeah. where the meat comes from and I wasn't too happy about it. Also, I whenever I saw my mom preparing meat for any kind of dish or dinner, I just never liked the look of it. I just thought it looked really gross and didn't really want to eat it. So I cut out red meat. Red meat was the first thing I cut out just because it it was the most graphic to me because, you know, you in red meat, you can Mm -hmm. see there's blood and veins and not to get too gross, but (laughs) this is, these are the things predominant, you know, in, in red meat. So then I ate white meat up until my early 20s. In my early 20s, I started cutting out dairy and gluten just because my skin was really bad and I had really bad acne and I had heard that dairy caused acne and it could be gluten related. So I just cut those out of my diet. And then as I got older, a few years later, I just found that even white meat, my body was not accepting it anymore. Mm -hmm. I just really lost the appetite for it. So then I was pescatarian up until my early 30s. So it was very slow, right? (laughs) Yeah. So pescatarian in the sense I was only eating seafood and eggs. And then I, so fast forward to maybe one or two years later, because I went fully vegan um, when I was, oh, 32, actually 10 years ago now. So between 31 and 32. And I was eating a lot of processed food at the time because I hated cooking. I didn't like being in the kitchen. I didn't like (laughs) the process of cooking. I didn't really know how to cook. So I wasn't eating any fresh food, fresh fruits and vegetables, wasn't getting all the hydration, nutrition and electrolytes that our body needs and that our cells need to heal. Mm -hmm. 
and keep our immunity up and all of this stuff. So I was constantly getting sick. I was catching everything. I was working in a huge office and I was catching everything that everybody was getting. Hmm. And I was off work for a while and I'm at home and I'm like, my body just hates me right now. What am I doing wrong? And I thought I was eating healthy because I'm like, oh, I'm vegan and gluten-free. Isn't this supposed to be healthy? Well, as we all know, there's a lot of unhealthy vegan food out there, a lot of processed food. And I was eating nothing but processed food. And when I say processed food, like instant packaged oatmeal for breakfast was my go-to microwave work uh, breakfast. Then I was eating some kind of packaged frozen thing for lunch. Mm. Then I'd go home and for dinner, I'd eat gluten-free toast and eggs, scrambled (laughs) eggs, right? Yeah. Maybe with like an avocado on there, but I wasn't eating. So, I mean, you look there, maybe like I'd have a banana or something. So I'm not eating any fruits and vegetables, no fresh greens. So I'm online at home sick and I'm looking up cleanses and detoxes and ways to heal my body to stop getting sick so much. And I came across a raw food meal plan. Mm. And I just knew right then and there that this is what my body needed. I needed this fresh food. Yeah. So I stuck to it. I went out and bought everything. I did the 21 days. And after doing that, I lost all my appetite for seafood and eggs. I mean, I just couldn't go back. I just Mm -hmm. kept doing what I was doing because I felt so good. I loved making raw food. It was so creative, flavorful. And that's when I fell in love with making food because raw food is so different than cooking. I mean, me, I don't like slaving over a hot stove. I don't know what it is about the heat and the stove and the oven. I just, it never made sense to me. And I think that's why when I started making raw food, it just clicked. Mm. But i that's when I really found my creativity. And I was like, wow, you can be really creative with raw food. And that's why I fell in love with it. And yeah, so I've been vegan since. So it's been uh, 10 years this year. That's awesome. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, that I, I had, um, I had a similar story in that it took me a little while. I was vegetarian for a long time. I went vegetarian in 2001 and finally went vegan, like around 2015. I'd been on and off vegan. I eat vegan for a while, started eating cheese again, and then wonder why my stomach hurt so much. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I didn't know how to cook. When I first went vegetarian, it was pasta covered in cheese because I, I knew it would fill me up and I could make it successfully most nights. And uh, I I put off like learning how to cook because I just didn't find any joy in it for a yeah, very exactly. long time. I had no idea what I was doing. My knife skills were total shit. And it just <laughs> was not, it, it just wasn't giving me anything. So, so I ate a lot of processed food as well. I haven't, I haven't gone like raw vegan. And uh, it's funny because I've had my thought around raw food was like, yeah, it's like piles of vegetables, some dehydrated crackers and lots of juices. And <laughs> I recently talked with um, Angel Joaquin, who is um, also a raw food vegan. She's not a chef, but she's like a raw food coach. Mm-hmm. And the way that she talks about how raw food made her feel is just like what you're saying that suddenly there's like this vibrancy and like there's this life that you're you're consuming and and just how beautiful that is. And, and then I look at your website and the photos of the food that you prepare are, it's astonishing to me. And there's desserts like the, your new cookbook. And we'll talk about that um, as well, but I am floored by what you are creating in the kitchen. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so fun. That's so awesome. Is it is it easy or is it something that you kind of need? Well, let's talk about that. Do you have like a culinary degree now? Did you go back to school and kind of start over that way? Or what was that process? No, I don't have like a standard culinary degree. I started taking as many raw food courses as I could. Mm. And I traveled the world to learn and take classes. And then I also worked for two years for free and just worked under people and interned and just learned everything that I could about raw food. I mean, yeah, I think that when you you call yourself a chef, if like, okay, I have the experience, I have the background, I've been doing this for so long, I create recipes. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't have that traditional culinary background, but because I mean, I don't like cooking actually fun fact. 
funny story. I tried taking a plant-based cooking course here in Vancouver last year. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited because I'm like, oh, this is going to give me so much inspiration. And I love being in a group of people with other foodies sharing the same <laughs> passion. Yeah. But it was a cooking course, right? It wasn't any raw food. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> I, it was two weeks full time, like eight hours a day. It was very intense. I lasted one week and I said to the, <laughs> I said to the, <laughs> to the head chefs there, I'm like, mm. So it was on a Friday and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to come back on Monday. You know what? And I said, you like what they do is amazing. The organization, the culinary school is top notch. I said, but this, I learned a lot from this. And I said, you know, what was my biggest learning lesson was that I just don't like cooking. I don't (laughs) want to cook. And it made me even more passionate about raw food. Hmm. And the, so when you were asking, is this easy? So the light bulb moment for me was when I was at that cooking course and we're standing over the the stove and using a pan and making caramelized onions, right? I don't know if you've ever made caramelized onions. It takes a long time, like real caramelized (laughs) onions, like 45 minutes. So you have Mm -hmm. like the water and you're pouring it and deglazing and stirring it. And you can't leave, right? Because you right. have to like watch it. <laughs> this is like torture. <laughs> I'm like, how is this fun for me? Like standing <laughs> over this hot stove for 45 minutes. I'm like, oh my gosh, raw caramelized onions. So what I do, I mix three ingredients in a bowl, put them on a tray in the dehydrator, set the timer for three hours and walk away and get <laughs> A lot of other stuff done in that three hours, come back and they're done. (laughs) I mean, so to me, I think raw food is way easier than cooking, especially Mm. if you have everything prepped. It's all about prepping, planning and organization. If you have, so for instance, when I go to the store and I come home and I have my lettuce and my herbs and all my greens, I wash them and soak them in bowls right away. Mm -hmm. And I make sure everything is washed and prepped and ready to go. Same with all my nuts and seeds. When I get a bulk order in, I soak because I activate and sprout everything. I'm very picky with that. Okay. So I'll soak all my nuts and seeds, rinse them, dehydrate them. So that they're already activated. I don't have to remember to soak my nuts and seeds for recipes now. Right. Mm, yeah. So everything that's just literally ready to grab. So for instance, if I want lunch, I'm working away at home and I go downstairs and I want lunch and I make like, say, for instance, a wrap. I have all my veggies and everything prepped. All I have to do is just throw it together five minutes, boom, it's done. I make a dressing in a bowl in like two seconds. I mean, homemade dressings are so easy. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is so much easier. If I was like, it was funny, I was looking at a recipe for roasted potatoes the other day. And I'm like, an hour for roasted potatoes? I'm not going to wait an hour <laughs> for roasted potatoes. <laughs> You know, and again, when you're working with an oven, it's not like you can walk away with a dehydrator. You can leave the house. You can, you don't have to worry about leaving the dehydrator on. You can leave it on for 24 to 48 hours, you know, Hmm. and just leave it running and not have to worry about anything going wrong or anything burning. Yeah. Especially for things that dehydrate where you're removing all of the moisture, like crackers, anything crunchy, anything like that. You can never over dehydrate it because once you were removed the water, the water is gone. There's nothing else to remove. Yeah. So you can just leave them in the dehydrator and deal with it when you're, when you're ready. And when you have a moment, you don't have to Hmm. like be there at that specific time. (laughs) So, I mean, that sounds good. (laughs) With I know. Right. So with anything new, anything new is going to be hard, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter whether it's raw food, whether it's learning a new skill, anything, learning any new skill is going to be difficult. So when you get into raw food and you're doing it and getting the organization and getting the flow down, to me, it's way easier, way Mm. easier than cooking. Yeah. Yeah. With the, uh, you're already selling me on how easy it is for lunch because I'm constantly feeling like, I don't know what to eat. I'm busy during the day. And it's like, when am I going to find time to go downstairs and make something? I just need something I can throw in the microwave or a wrap. So what do you, um, what do you wrap your veggies in? Oh yeah. So you know what I love? My, one of my favorites is coconut wraps. Hmm. Coconut. I love Coke and you can buy them from the store. They're the coconut wraps. They come in a package. They're raw. Oh. They're just made from coconut meat, coconut oil, water. That's it. Oh, that's and cool. 
But what I do, my trick is, this is my little, my little trick. So I, I'll stuff everything in and I'll make it like a sushi roll. So I'll put in all my veggies and everything and microgreens and sprouts, whatever I have, shredded beets, carrots, lettuce, romaine is one of my favorites to put in these wraps. Um, if I have like a pate made or some kind of like walnut taco meat, I'll throw that in there as well. Mm. And I build it so that the veggies and the contents spread out all the way to the ends of the wrap because I don't have to close it because I'm going to cut it like a sushi roll. Mm -hmm. So I stuff as much in there and then I roll it, but to keep it more contained and have it um, so that it doesn't rip or break. Then once that's wrapped in the coconut wrap, then I wrap a sushi, a nori sheet around it. So I double wrap it. And then I cut it like sushi rolls and then I make like a little dressing with tahini and coconut aminos, garlic, ginger, hmm. um, some of that maybe fermented hot sauce you can buy. Oh, okay. And so good. And <laughs> yeah. then, yeah, I dip it in there. And like one of those, because you have to remember, as you know, like veggies are so filling because of the fiber, right? When you're mm-hmm. eating real whole foods, as opposed to processed foods, it's going to fill you up more. Yeah. So like one of those wraps, I'm good for a few hours. Hmm. Yeah. So it's really easy. Yeah. That sounds amazing. I, and the reason why I asked, like, is this easy is because I think if like for me looking at your website, I was like, wow, this stuff's incredible. This must be so difficult. Or she must have so much training and take, you know, years for me to follow one of her recipes. Um, so, so to, to hear you talk through how you got here, um, mm. I think will will help people not feel that. Um, and mm. not that, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I found your website intimidating because I didn't. Because I wanted to go through every page and look at everything that you had. Huh. Um, but but yeah, so for people who are considering raw and how to make it interesting and beautiful, uh, to know that you don't need to go back to school and get a, a degree mm-hmm. or or anything like that, I think is is really awesome. And then to make it to point out just how simple it really can be, um, yeah. But also, it kind of feels kind of elegant that you're like making these little sushi rolls for yourself for lunch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. What a nice little self care exactly. thing. And why not make your own food look good, right? Yeah. But also, I mean, of course, I have some advanced recipes. Like in in my courses and classes, I mean, everything is usually beginner to advanced. And of course, I have some more complex recipes. But also, too, because my audience is a lot of my audience is people who have, have done raw food in the past. So I like mm. to offer something that they can... Um, advance in and get more skills and just bring them to that next level. Yeah. Um, so I like to do, you know, the more gourmet stuff, but then also I have simple stuff, but with my recipes and my courses, I, I mean, the number one comment I always get is how organized everything is and how easy it is to go through everything. I mean, I have so many beginners that enter my classes and graduate, no problem. I mean, because I include all of the prep, my recipes are very detailed. Um, the way that I write my recipes, especially doing my cookbook made me a way better recipe writer, recipe mm-hmm. developer. So yeah, I mean, I do everything in a way that's going to be really easy to understand for everybody, any skill level. Okay. Tell us, tell me more about these classes and courses that you offer. Yeah. So right now I have a nut-free raw cake academy. Ooh. Which I, because that, so my first flagship course that I launched was in 2019. It was a raw dessert chef certification course because I'm obsessed with raw desserts and I love, you know, to make them pretty and elegant. And there was nothing like that online. You know, there was raw dessert courses, but there was nothing that was going to take people to that next, next level, especially Mm. if they want to start selling commercially. So that was the first course that I ever launched. And I actually shut that down in December because I'm going to be doing an updated version okay. and come out with something new. Um, but so then I launched my nut-free raw cake course a couple of years ago. And that was because I was getting so many requests from people for nut-free raw desserts. Mm. And I was like, this is a really good challenge because I was getting to the point where nothing was challenging me anymore. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this is a good challenge. Like this will be fun. 
So then I, I, and it was so much fun. So then that's how Nut Free Raw Cake Academy was born. I was just going to come up with a few recipes and they just, I don't know why they just kept flowing out of me and I kept growing the course. I just updated it again mm. uh, with new recipes and yeah. So I love coming up with different techniques and ways to create nut-free raw cakes that have the same texture and consistency and creaminess as cakes with nuts, because there's so many other options that you can do as well. Oh, wow. And then I have a raw chef certification program, which is called Raw Food Culinary Academy. So it's everything raw food, Mm. you know? So it's like, if you want to learn everything about raw food, it's in that course. Um, So that's what I offer right now. I also have some little like mini classes. If people are just getting into raw food and they just want to test it out, I have a $27 class called the Raw Food Foundations Masterclass. It's only $27 and it's a video course where it's basically a one day raw food meal plan of like my go-to recipes, Okay, but all done with an elegant twist because, you know, we like to have that aspect on it as well. Yeah. You get a beautiful dessert recipe, you get the lunch, dinner, snack, your morning smoothie. So all of that is in the Raw Food Foundations Masterclass. So yeah, that's kind of what I have going on right now. And then I'm going to be launching something new. Soon I'm working on a <clears throat> dehydrating series right now mm. because I'm dehydration is like, I love dehydrating because it's so scientific for me mm, and you yeah. can create so many different textures in the dehydrator and come up with like breads and perhaps, I mean, I do donuts. There's so many different things you can really? do. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that. Okay. Breads, crackers. I've heard of the donuts. Wow. <laughs> yeah, donuts. I just came up with a, um, I've been working on a sprouted lentil almond bread mm. and a banana bread because I've never come across a raw vegan banana bread that I've liked. And this one I've created, I have to say is pretty, it's pretty epic. It has that really <laughs> gooey texture with this uh. like yummy gooey topping on top. Like it actually tastes like it's baked. Hmm. And uh, yeah, oh my gosh, it's delicious. So those two recipes will be released in my dehydrating series. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's just so fun. It's so fun to come up with all this stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love, I love it. Yeah. So what, there's so many questions. That's why, <laughs> Sorry, that's I why I get, no, no, that's why I got started. I was like, which one do I want to do first? Um, what kind of challenges, like as we start to learn raw foods, their listeners who are interested, what kind of challenges can they expect either in making the food or just changes that maybe you notice happen? Uh, just anything that, that you, you tell people like, okay, prepare for this. Yeah. So one thing is, especially if you're coming from eating a lot of cooked food and you go straight into eating a lot of raw food, you're going to have some digestive issues and people take that as a negative thing. But really what's happening is you've been depleted of all your digestive enzymes because there's only enzymes in living food. There's no enzymes in dead cooked food. Mm. There's no enzymes, minerals, nothing living, um, no life force. So what happens is over time when you're eating so much cooked food over your life, you're not replenishing those enzymes. You have to get that from raw foods, raw living Mm -hmm. plant-based foods. So when you start eating a lot of raw foods and you're incorporating that into your diet, I always recommend to take a digestive enzyme for at least the first six months, because you have to help your digestive system break everything down and you're reintroducing those enzymes back into your body. So just keep that in mind. Like if people are like, oh my gosh, raw food doesn't make me feel good. I feel really bloated. That's why Mm -hmm. some people have detox symptoms, Mm -hmm. especially people who are coming from a standard American diet and say they start incorporating even a green smoothie every day. You can have detox symptoms. Oh, wow. But then you just keep going. Um, Just, just keep going and you will get past that. Mm Mm-hmm. Some people, if they go hundred percent raw, they're very hungry all the time. And I, I experienced this as well. Um, cause one of the things that I would crave was my morning oatmeal because it was so saturating and now I'm going to like a smoothie and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm starving. <laughs> you just have to remember to eat more. Like if you are hungry, this is the wonderful thing about raw food is you cannot overeat. I mean, it should be about abundance. It should not mm. be about limiting your foods. It shouldn't be about restriction. Like if you're going hundred percent raw and you're hungry, 
eat something else, like eat until you are full and you are satiated. Yeah. Um, so just keep that in mind. You might be eating more than you were when you were eating cooked food. So um, yeah, just keep that in mind. I think those are definitely the biggest challenges. Okay. Yeah. Remember the first time um, my husband got, we were, we were still dating, but he got a juicer for, for Christmas from mm-hmm, his parents. Mm-hmm. Cause he had, he had met me not too long before. And like his parents knew like, oh, she's vegetarian. So they just assumed like I was a really healthy vegetarian. And, and so they're like, yeah. here's this juicer. So you guys can like make juice together. <laughs> and I know it's so sweet. The first time that he made himself a juice and he went and found a recipe, it was like kale, lemon, um, and something else. Oh, like a, a green apple. Oh, and yeah. And he was like, like an advanced juice recipe. Right? <laughs> Thankfully, he loves most beverages. So he was like, this is great. Except he liked it so much that he drank it really fast. And it oh, was within minutes, he was like, uh, oh, no. <laughs> His stomach was like, what is happening here? Because yeah. um, he's vegan now, but he wasn't then. So he was definitely mm-hmm. like on the heavily processed standard American diet. And uh, yeah, he was like, oh, I don't know if I like this juicing thing. Oh, no. Yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> I'm obsessed with juicing. I start every day with some kind of juice. But yeah, that's an I mean, I don't even do that kind of juice recipe because I love <laughs> fruit and I like my juice to taste sweet mm-hmm. so I'll add a lot of apples and I don't do green apples I do red apples okay. <laughs> which are sweeter <laughs> yeah but not so tart juicing, <laughs> the great thing about juicing is that because the fiber is gone and it's just the minerals the enzymes the micronutrients it's like a vitamin shot straight to your bloodstream mm. because there's nothing to digest so this is when people like talk about smoothies and juicing, because some people say, well, juice doesn't have any fiber, so it's bad for you. And it's such a waste. And I'm like, but you're there in two separate categories, juices and smoothies. You can't think of them as the same because they're not the same. Yeah. You can never get the same amount of produce in a smoothie as you can in a juice, right? With the amount yeah. of produce that you use for juicing, but juicing is so healing, hydrating. I mean, yeah, I always tell people like juicing if you can incorporate one thing just to be healthier like juice number one for sure because it's just so full of nutrients Mm. yeah so just tell them to keep going (laughs) yeah we have like in the years since then this is a long time ago in the years since then we've we've gone through phases where we juice a lot and then we don't really juice that much and we'll juice here and there and I'm always just so hungry. Like he doesn't really have an appetite in the morning. So if he had a juice, he'd be good to go. But me, I'd be like starving two seconds after I was done. Um, so, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah. As long as you get your juice in right, and, and then you're hungry after it doesn't take long to digest. So wait 10 minutes and then have something else, but at least you've got your hydration in, in the morning right. and it kickstarts your digestive system. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to give yeah. that a shot. Yeah. Now, what kind of juicer do you guys have? We have, now we have a Breville. The one his parents got him was like a Jack LaLanne, like off of. Um, yeah, yeah, super old school. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, yeah, awesome. But yeah, we have a, a pretty good uh, Breville one. It can't do like wheatgrass, but it can do yeah. um, all the other things, I think. Um, and it's pretty good. Came with a little brush to get all the stuff out. Yeah. Um, do you dehydrate the... Pulp, the pulp and like make yeah. crackers and stuff or everyone asks me this so oh, sorry <laughs> no no worries no I'm happy to answer because so sometimes what I'll do is I'll give my dogs I'll give my dogs the pulp because mm. if I'm juicing something with carrots or sweet potato and yes you can juice sweet potato okay sweet potatoes raw they're the bomb and in a juice you can do like a sweet potato carrot apple and it tastes like a carrot cake Oh, just add cinnamon <laughs> on top. Oh my, I'm sorry. When I, say my sweet potato, <laughs> when I say sweet potatoes, I mean, yams, the orange ones, because mm-hmm. sorry, in Canada, it's different. Like in Canada, the sweet potatoes are white, yams are orange. Okay. And I think it's the opposite in the US. So I think I, so. I yeah. Specify. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the pulp, so my dogs love sweet potato and carrot pulp. But of course, if I'm juicing something with citrus or ginger or anything like that, I can't give that to my dogs because mm-hmm. it's um, really bad for the digestive system. But 
So then I'll just put through the juicer first, like the other vegetables that they can eat. I've tried so many times to make crackers with pulp. You know what? I don't like the texture. I just, there's, I just don't like it at all. Mm. There's other things I do with the pulp. So I can usually use my spinach pulp or vegetable pulp. I'll put it in my raw lasagnas. Okay. Or I do this like carrot kimchi wrap that I do it like a spring roll. So that was Mm. my inspiration. And I'll use the carrot pulp in my uh, carrot kimchi wrap. So I use like isolated ingredients for Mm -hmm. things, but if I'm like making, but I mean, you could never like the great, if I do like grapefruits or oranges, you can't really utilize the, the, that pulp. It's kind of Mm -hmm. gross and it doesn't taste very good. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Probably very bitter. (laughs) I mean, I just goes in the compost. I mean, I live in BC in Canada and we're, it's a very eco-friendly place, right? So Mm -hmm. composting is huge here. So we have a huge compost bin. So, you know, my pulp goes in the compost bin, it's going back into the earth. So I don't look at it as wasted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. All right. I've got the wheels are spinning for me. And you said something that then made me think I want to know about this. So you mentioned that um, the spring roll inspired that one wrap. Where do you like, where do you find the inspiration for these different raw recipes that you create? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Everywhere. I get (laughs) everywhere. I mean, as a creative, I get my inspiration from a lot of non-vegan recipes, a lot of like just traditional chefs Mm -hmm. and things that I'll see on Instagram, especially with my desserts. Um, I look at a lot of like high-end pastry Mm. and follow all the big pastry chefs, like all the guys in France and yeah, these sort of things. So I also get inspiration from my students because I have the most creative students. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I get inspiration from them. Like when they come up with an idea, I'll be like, oh my gosh, that's such a good idea. And I'll be like, you know what? You could also do this. Or um, I get inspiration from my friends from, oh, Pinterest is a huge one because mm. I, what I go to Pinterest for is for platings because I love doing creative platings with my food. So I'll go to Pinterest. And if I see a plating, sometimes I'll work backwards. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to emulate the same kind of plating, but with my own recipe, and then come up with the components in the recipe based on that plating. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I I just get it from from everywhere. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. From restaurants. I was just at a raw food restaurant in LA yesterday called mm-hmm. Owlack. This is like a fancy high-end raw food restaurant. One of the best places I've ever been. Mm. They had the cutest dessert. So this was a huge inspiration for me and I'm going to make something similar, but they had these cute little, um, it looked like an opera cake, but there were these cute little squares, like only one inch in diameter. Mm. And it was like the chocolate and the coconut all layered, but it was so adorable. And I'm like, oh, that would be super fun. I want to try to do something. Yeah. So, I mean, just from everywhere going to restaurants, when I travel, I'm constantly going to different places. And even if it's like a vegan gluten-free bakery, I'll go in and try something because I'm like, oh, I want to see like what flavors they come up with and see, you know, what kind of desserts they have. And Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So you have this new book out right? Raw desserts and the photos, the photo of the cut on the cover. Gorgeous. (laughs) Um, (laughs) By the time we're done with this podcast, people will know just how pretty all of your photos are. Um, So tell me a little bit about the cookbook. Um, Like what made you want it? Isn't it weird to call a raw food book, a cookbook? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Right. But I know what else do you call it? What else do you call it? Yeah. 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 Like, um, I don't know, walk us through that process or, or like yeah. what inspired you to, to do this raw food dessert cookbook? Yeah. So I actually never thought I was going to do a cookbook. It wasn't something that it was on my list because I know how much work it is. So mm. It's a lot of, of work, like two years of your life. Right. Oh, and wow. it's really busy in that. Um, so I had some publishers approach me in the past about doing a book. I never went to a publisher. I was always lucky enough to have people come to me. 
And so the publishers in the past, I was never happy with. And I always said no, because their turnaround times were absolutely ridiculous. And like their, their fees were just, yeah, not good either. Not very supportive to the author. And so then there was this one publisher that came forward called Page Street Publishing. And I just really liked them. I loved our conversation. I just, they were such good energy. And I just felt like we really aligned. Mm -hmm. And they were super supportive of the authors and um, knew that I was really busy. So they gave me a really good timeline. And they're so professional. They have every single department for everything. I mean, all the PR and marketing is done for you. That so, you know, you have an editor, a copy editor, you get to work with the design team. I mean, I had full creative control which was another thing. And I got to do my own photos. So that was another big thing as well. Mm. So I said yes to them. And that was in January, 2020. And then the cookbook was released December, 2022. Okay. So it was a very long process, but it was, I learned so much and just became a better chef, a recipe writer, recipe developer, food photographer, everything. I mean, I always tell everyone, I'm like, if you get the chance to do a cookbook, just do it because you will grow so much as a person. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I just loved the team that I worked with and it was so much fun. And then you have something tangible. You have something physical that's going to be with you for life. Mm -hmm. And then you get to share it with the world. Like I get to reach a way wider audience now with my knowledge, right? Yeah. So, and I think knowledge is very important to give away. Like if you just hoard it, like what is the point of having it? So, um, yeah, I loved it. I love doing the cookbook and I love that it's out in the world now. And I've been getting a lot of positive feedback and it's been a lot of fun and connecting with so many new people as well over it. Yeah. Like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so why'd you choose desserts instead of just raw food? Oh, because that's like my main thing that I'm known for and my main thing. So at that time, my raw food course wasn't even launched yet. So, I mean, I was known as, you know, the raw dessert chef. Okay. So that's why I did. And I just have so much more knowledge on uh, raw desserts. I mean, both now, obviously, but yeah, it was just kind of what I'm known for. So yeah, I just thought it would be a good one to do. Yeah. Everybody loves dessert. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dessert is always my, um, kind of it's, I would eat dessert first. Yeah. Should I be presented with the option? <laughs> you know, I always sure. do. <laughs> do you? you know why? You mm. know why? Because you can digest it better if you eat it first before your meal. Oh, all right. <laughs> Putting that no, one in seriously. my pocket. <laughs> so it's funny whenever I order from somewhere or I go somewhere like a raw food place or, and I'm trying food, I'll order dessert and my meal to come together, but I'll eat my dessert first. Okay. Like people think I'm nuts because I do that. <laughs> and I'm like, honestly, you feel so much better doing it that way. It just hmm. digests so much better. Okay. I'm going to give that a try. Yeah. So yeah. eat your dessert first. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My dream has come true. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, you know, I have being a person with a sweet tooth and knowing so many others who, who do, I think, I think for me thinking about raw food, I would think like, oh, desserts that I love aren't, really available anymore if I'm looking at a raw food option. But that doesn't seem to be the case, right? There's still mm -hmm. lots of flavors. There's still chocolate. We're not, we don't have yeah. to give up chocolate, it's right? Different. How do we, like, how do we get raw chocolate? Is it, tell me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you a little secret. So, and one thing I teach in all of my classes is that there's no such thing actually as raw chocolate. Okay. Because the way that it's processed and fermented, there is unroasted and there is roasted. Mm. Because during the fermentation of the cacao beans and during the processing, like they take the cacao beans, they ferment them, dry them, they break them up into nibs. And then they put those through a huge pressing machine to either make cacao paste, which is the mass, or they 
separate the butter and the cacao powder through all of that processing heat is applied that's over and above the raw threshold of 115 degrees fahrenheit mm -hmm. but what happens is if it is unroasted there's way more nutrient i mean studies have been done it really um preserves a lot of the minerals, the antioxidants and the health benefits of dark chocolate because okay. dark chocolate has so many health benefits. It's one of like the highest ORAC foods on the planet. Uh, There's so many wonderful benefits of uh, dark chocolate. So yeah, there's no such thing as raw chocolate, <laughs> but it's unroasted. But what we're doing is we're creating and making something that is way healthier, much healthier mm -hmm. option with healthier sweeteners. And then usually like mixed with something with other ingredients that are raw. Mm, okay. So, um, yeah. And to me, unroasted, everybody has taste preferences. Some people like roasted chocolate better. Some people like, un I mean, I like unroasted. I think it's sweeter and it's lighter. It's not as bitter as roasted. But yeah, so then you can use the cacao. So that's what cacao is. Cacao, C-A-C-A-O is unroasted and cocoa is roasted. So when you're looking oh. for like cocoa butter, you want to get cacao butter, cacao powder, cacao paste. And actually on my website, for people who want to know where to buy all of this stuff, on my website, I have a sourcing list. It's under the recipes tab. I've been compiling this list the last four years of my online school and it's for every major region and it gives you all of the links to buy all your dry raw food ingredients in bulk and wholesale. So you okay. can get it way cheaper and okay. I yeah show you where to buy everything. So for people who are listening, if they're wondering where to get these ingredients, go to my website to get that. Yeah, I'll definitely link that in the show notes in addition to just a link to your website and I'll separately link the the sourcing okay, page perfect. as well. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Ah, that's so cool. I'm learning so much. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> that's my goal. <laughs> yeah. And I like I've had cacao nibs before and I had no idea that those are unroasted chocolate. Mm -hmm. Um so now I'm going to I'm going to get some cacao nibs, not like immediately we're still talking, but I'll get some cacao nibs <laughs> and some chocolate <laughs> chips. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to compare and like see. Yeah. And then maybe, I'll, I don't know. Do you have recipes on your website? Yeah, I have okay. a whole, yeah, I have a whole recipe tab. I have free recipes on my website and on my YouTube channel. Oh, cool. So I have I'm recipes gonna... there as well. I'll find a nice chocolate-based one. <laughs> Give yeah. that a go. Yeah. Lots of chocolate. I mean, it's I'm obsessed with chocolate. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was what the first thing I got into was when I quit my job and I started the farmer's market and I was doing stone ground chocolate oh. and uh, desserts and dehydrated snacks. And I was selling them at the farmer's market. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Before I got into teaching. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. So interesting. What do we need to know about raw food? What are like three things that we need to have in our kitchen if we're raw food people? Okay, so ingredient wise or equipment wise? Oh, let's do one of each. Okay, sure. So three of each. Three <laughs> yeah, of each. please. Yeah. So for your kitchen, if you want to get into raw food, the number one appliance to buy before anything else should be a good high-speed blender. Okay. So Vitamix, Blendtec, OmniBlend, and there's a lot of cheaper options out there now. Vitamix has a model called the Explorian mm. now, which is about 350 bucks Canadian from Costco. So that's even cheaper in US. Um, so you don't have to go out and spend a lot of money on a Vitamix or a good blender. I mean, there's a lot of other cheaper options. So the reason why you want to get a good high-speed blender is because there's so many different things you can do with that. You know, you can do your smoothies, you can do all of your nut milks, you can do sauces, dressings, and all of your fillings and everything for raw desserts, right? Mm -hmm. And then a food processor is a good buy as well, because a food processor, of course, is very different in a blender in the sense that you can make uh, your hummuses and you mm -hmm. can do uh, your crusts for raw desserts, your energy bites, if you want to do like protein bars, these sort of things. Mm -hmm. um, 
if you want to do like chunky sauces, salsas, guacamole, anything that isn't going to blend at a really high speed, super smooth that you still want, you know, that chunky texture. Yeah. Also two food processors are great because of the attachments, right? So this is how I prep. I'll like grate, a, you know, put the grater option on because mm-hmm. I hate like having to manually grate stuff. Yeah. Like, that's too time consuming. <laughs> Who has time for that? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I just do that in my food processor and I'll grate a huge batch of beets and carrots and have that or even cat red cabbage Mm -hmm. and have that in my fridge for a few days, put them in a container so that I just do it once and I don't have to think about doing it again for a few days. Um, And then, I mean, if you really want to get a dehydrator, the third appliance definitely is (laughs) is a dehydrator because Again, you want if you're a comfort food person like me and you like warming, grounding foods, mm-hmm. especially I live in Canada where it's cold. Yeah. Then it'll be great to have a dehydrator for that purpose. But also you'll never have food waste with a dehydrator. Mm, okay. You can dehydrate almost anything. <laughs> so I mean, you should never have food waste if uh if you're dehydrating. Yeah. So those three are like my must-haves, like go-to appliances. Four ingredients, that's tough. Like if we were to say three, so I'm going to say categories. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. It's like single ingredients. That's yeah, I know. that's a good point. <laughs> so categories, nuts and seeds. So your dry bulk nuts and seeds, spices, mm-hmm. of course. And then of course, fresh living produce. So I buy all my bulk and dry ingredients online. So like all my cacao, coconut products, coconut oil, all my oils, olive oil, cold pressed sesame oil, because I only use cold pressed oils that are Mm. not processed. And my um, spices, I buy in bulk online. So when I go to the grocery, and that's how people should be buying them. Because if you buy a pound of almonds, for example, from the grocery store, you're going to pay triple to quadruple the price and you can, as you can get it. Yeah. from bulk online and you don't have to have a wholesale account. So all these links that I give people on my sourcing list are for anyone. Anyone mm. can buy. You don't have to have a business or a wholesale account. You get them at wholesale bulk prices. Okay. And the more you buy the cheaper it is, right? Yeah. And so when I go to the grocery store because I already have all of my dry ingredients that I buy online all in bulk, then the majority like 95% of my shopping or more is in the produce aisle. So I go to the grocery store to get my produce. Yeah. So, I mean, it should be really simple like that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, vinegar. Is vinegar processed? Like super heat processed? Can you use vinegar? Yeah. Apple cider vinegar. I use apple cider vinegar because it's living. It's a probiotic. So it's Mm. active. Right. With the mother, right? It's like cloudy. So it's it's fermented. It's a fermented product. It's not Mm. heated. It's living. Um, it's made from fermented apples and it's actually really easy to make. Um, okay. not telling people to like, go make their own, <laughs> just buy it, buy it for now from the store. Yeah. I love apple cider vinegar. Okay. Are other vinegars okay? Or is apple cider vinegar really the yeah, best? Like I use, so in my, our, in my raw food course, <clears throat> excuse me, I use, uh, like red wine vinegar, coconut vinegar, coconut sap vinegar is also fermented, which is very healthy for you. That's okay. a lot of minerals. So coconut sap vinegar is really great as well. It has that more like sour fermented taste. So it's really good. I use it in my raw breads. Mm. Another fermented product I love is chickpea miso, even though okay. that's not raw because the chickpeas are obviously cooked, but adding fermented products into your diet is the, I mean, there's so many health benefits and I use miso as an umami ingredient. Mm. So because it has that fermented flavor as well, I'll use it in bread, sauces, dressings, um, stuff like that. But yeah, there's, I mean, lots of healthy options for vinegars. Okay. Um, while you're talking about but, fermented foods, is tempeh cooked? Yeah, I like tempeh or... is cooked. Okay. If you make it yourself. Um, okay. So yeah, the beans are cooked, right? So tempeh oh, is right. raw. Yeah. But because I don't eat a lot of soy, um, actually, there's a company here in Vancouver that makes chickpea tempeh and also green pea tempeh. And you can also make your own. But um, yeah, I love tempeh. So 
I love tempeh again because of the probiotics and the health benefits. And it has, you know, it's very umami and really mm-hmm. good to your, um, I eat it once in a while where I fell in love with it was in Bali. Cause it's, you know, originated from Indo- Indonesia. Yeah. So it has, a, there's a lot of it in Bali. So I fell in love with it there. Okay. Huh. So cool. I love tempeh as well. I'm still, tofu yeah. is my favorite, but tempeh is a very close second. Tempeh is very different because if you know how tofu is made, it's mm-hmm. crazy processed. Yeah. Tofu is just made from soy milk, right? Mm-hmm. So if you yeah. think about that, like how processed is that? That's I'd never thought about that. get it into this firm <laughs> where tempeh is literally all it is, is the culture and the beans. It's just fermented beans, mm. which is a much healthier, less processed option it's not even processed so it means a much healthier option than tofu i always try to eat the least amount of processed food as possible yeah yeah your skin is amazing you're like you've been glowing you have been glowing this entire interview oh thanks (laughs) it's funny every i get so many compliments on my skin and when i was just in la all weekend there i met so many other raw vegan friends and people I knew online. It was the first thing every single person said. And it's funny because like everyone's their own worst critic, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like my skin is horrible right now. Oh. And everyone's like, you're glowing, you're glowing. But honestly, yeah, I think it has a lot obviously to do with your diet. Yeah. I used to have really bad skin. I had the such bad acne. I dealt with acne like my whole teenage to early adult life. Oh. That's so tough. Acne and uh, the, all the little bumps, just like every kind of acne. So it does have a lot to do with your diet. Um, Juicing also, I think is a huge part of it as well because of the hydration. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think diet and lifestyle has such a big influence on a person's skin and their overall body, because I always get to like, when I tell people how old I am, they never believe me. Yeah. <laughs> well, that like, feels nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 One thing though, I did want to note when we were talking about vinegar that I want to say, that's really important. What vinegar mm-hmm. does is okay. So for one, cause I know a lot of people are scared of acids, but our body needs acid for digestion because our stomach is acid. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but what vinegar also does is it lowers your blood sugar. Oh. So if you have vinegar in a dressing with a salad, or if you have a shot of apple cider vinegar before you eat a meal, it is going to dramatically reduce a blood glucose spike, Mm. which is also adds a lot of health benefits. You're not going to crash. You digest everything better. So, I mean, vinegars are very beneficial. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's good. I I've been trying to convince myself to eat a salad now is we have a farmer's market here that is incredible and they're like their focus is on the nutrient density of the soil and creating oh. vegetables from that i know oh gosh you just you don't even have to like wash your produce you just shake it off mm-hmm. make sure there's no bugs and it's Love and it, it i've never tasted vegetables better than than from there and so i'm like well the farm's got all the lettuce now and all the different greens and so i've got to start making more salads so now mm-hmm. adding the knowledge of the vinegar cuz i do love just a nice, like either lemon juice and some olive oil or like a, you know, a little bit yeah. of vinegar and oh, so, so good. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to eat so that. I'm going to eat that when that. we hang up. <laughs> yeah. And you know, a really good, um, rule of thumb is when you're making dressings is you want to have the four flavor balancing components. If you have these four, most of the time, like 90% of the time is going to turn out amazing. Okay. So you want fat acid salt and sweet Mm. and then you know it's gonna because those four are gonna perfectly harmonize the flavors okay Mm -hmm. so even adding like if you want to do your vinegar or lemon juice citrus because acid can be so many different things Mm -hmm. right and then fats could be so many different things could be your oils it could be if you're gonna blend up like hemp seeds or nuts or cashews or whatever your sweet can be you know, coconut sugar, coconut nectar, any kind of sweetener. You can use fruits. Um, you know, if you want to make like a mango or pineapple dressing, I love Mm. like a spicy pineapple dressing. I make the most amazing 
pineapple mustard sauce. Oh, <laughs> so good. So be experimental. I mean, have fun and experiment and putting these things together and then salt. And what I love about the salt component is it doesn't have to just be traditional salt. There's other things that have the salt content in it. So for example, coconut aminos or tamari mm-hmm. or soy sauce, um, miso, which has salt content as well. Um, dried olives, um, salted, salted sun-dried tomatoes. Mm. I mean, dulse or seaweed, for example. Yeah. So it's fun to like, once you have those four categories, you can play around and make so many different flavor combinations. And then of course, adding in some spices or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh. I love this. Crystal, you are so inspiring. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like can't wait to get into the kitchen and not yeah. cook things. <laughs> right? <laughs> you like it so easy now. Yeah. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for being here. I've got one final question for you. Yeah. Please share with, with me either your favorite hummus or your favorite way to eat hummus. Yeah. So actually make a hummus that's not raw. Okay. And it is absolutely to die for, I think, in my opinion. And it's made with cannellini beans. Oh. And kim- so it's a kimchi cannellini bean hummus. So I use, can- and I'll give you the written recipe as well. Okay, awesome. So it's cannellini beans, a can of, a can of, that's a, a tongue twister, <laughs> a can of cannellini beans, um, some kimchi, tahini, lemon juice, salt, miso, spices. Oh my gosh. It's honestly one of my, and my husband says too, it's like his favorite hummus or dipper spread. Mm. And how I like to enjoy my hummus is definitely on, cause I'm such a savory umami person. So on some raw bread or crackers okay, with some tomato and microgreens or dried mm. olives, for example, or I'll put it in a wrap. I mean, it's so versatile, right? You can do so many yeah. things with it. It's so good in wraps as well. Um, so yeah, I like to enjoy it a lot of different ways. Mm. So, so good. Yeah. <laughs> Crystal, thank you so much. I have loved this conversation. I've learned so much. I'm so inspired. I know that the listeners will be too. Thanks so much for your time. Awesome. Thank you. I'm so happy you learned a lot and I really appreciate you having me here. Thank you. I loved the conversation. Thanks. Me too. Welcome back. Donuts, you guys. Crystal makes raw donuts. I mean, if raw donuts are a possibility, why cook anything ever again? There are so many excellent tips and insights from this episode. There will be a blog about it coming up this week, too. But here are some quick takeaways. Three appliances that you want in a raw kitchen. A high-speed blender, a food processor, and a dehydrator. And three food categories you want in your raw food kitchen. Nuts and seeds, spices, and fresh living produce. How to make a great dressing every time? Fat, acid, salt, and sweet. To connect with Crystal, visit her website at crystaldawnculinary.com. Find her on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Crystal Dawn Culinary. I hope you found this episode helpful and inspiring. Please subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're loving it, please give Did You Bring the Hummus a five-star rating and leave a review. It's an easy way to keep supporting the show. Be sure to share these episodes with your friends. If you're finding something good here, they will too. If you're a vegan or you know a vegan who would be a great fit for the podcast, follow the Be A Guest link in the show notes. Fill out the quiz and I'll be in touch. I also have a new freebie on my website. Sign up for my mailing list and get a PDF of three amazing vegan recipes. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Did You Bring the Hummus and visit my website, didyoubringthehummus.com for more information about me, updates on what I'm working on, new podcast episodes, and all things vegan. Finally, I would love to hear from you. What do you need help with? Is there a topic you want to hear covered on a future episode? DM me on Instagram or send me an email at didyoubringthehummus at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.